action. Welcome to Torn Stamps with me, photographer Robert Gershenson, and Josh Winning, the greatest film critic you've never heard of. And we're going to the movies. We are continuing our celebration of the best of 21st century queer cinema as we move on to And Then We Danced from 2019, directed by Levin Aiken. Joshua. Living in modern-day Tbilisi in Georgia, 20-something Merab is just trying to survive. Training to be a dancer at the National Georgian Assembly, he also works nights at a restaurant to make enough money to support his brother, mother and grandmother, who he lives with in cramped quarters. When a new dancer arrives in the form of the dashing Irakli, a seeming mutual attraction occurs, but in a society where being gay is condemned, should Merab act on his feelings, and if he does, at what cost? Rob, we talked about this, I think, previously on our Pride special mm. a couple of years ago which i don't think you'd seen it then so have you seen it now <laughs> yeah i've seen it now because we're doing it on the pod. <laughs> i hadn't seen it until yesterday <laughs> how did you feel about it <laughs> i love this movie yay i absolutely love this movie even though it basically follows the set format for the traditional queer film from the 90s and the early 2000s, you know, the early TLA films. There's something about this film that is absolutely phenomenal. Much like Carol from last week, you know, old Carol. Uh, it's, it's subtle, it's nuanced, it's very introspective, it's very internal. It's no real big melodramatic moment. Hmm. It's It's really emotional and it's really heartwarming yeah it's got tons of heart and i think it does tell a really familiar story in in the sense of like the broad strokes of a coming of age gay person but i think the thing that makes it so special is partly the the setting so tbilisi in georgia which is a hugely traditional conservative um nation i'm as far as i know yeah christian nation um so there's this real sense of like urgency to the story it feels that the the sense of like the stakes and the and the peril for merab feels enormous you know he's he's so oppressed he's so boxed into this very strict notion of what it is to be a young man in georgia so you've got that which obviously is massively evocative but also just the way the story is told um it's it's through the dance you know all of the key character development moments happen through dancing um you know it's it's clearly like a, a, a you know a huge metaphor you know yeah. dancing around each other dancing around the truth it's every single moment that something big needs to shift to move the story forward um it happens through dancing it's really really clever that is quite ironic because there's a line at the beginning that says there's no sexuality in Georgian dance. The teacher says that. And yet, mm. all the sexuality is in the dancing. Yeah, it's it's double standards. You know, it's it's fascinating to us as Western viewers because it shows dancing through a completely different set of um, values and, and perceived, or put through a different type of perspective. Because in the Western world, 
dancing is often seen as quite a feminine pursuit. You know, ballerinas um, is seen as basically like, you know, a very feminine form of dance, even though clearly very it sexual. takes a huge amount of strength and skill. Yeah, and sexualized, exactly. Whereas Georgia says dancing is masculine and to be soft. Um, you know, the coach tells Merab he's too soft. He needs, he needs to, to be, be like harder a nail. in his dancing. Exactly. And it's perfect. It seems to be perfectly acceptable and, and the, the norm for two men to dance together, to do the duet. Whereas it took Strictly Come Dancing over 15 years to allow same-sex partners. Yeah. You took the words out of my mouth, but that, but that's because we do view dancing as sort of quite sexualized in the West, whereas in Georgia mm. it's about tradition. You know, I think the the opening credits really perfectly capture the the twin um, sort of themes of the film, which is there's there's joy in dancing, but there's also sort of like the restrictions and restraints of, of the traditional dancing where you've got to do it in a particular way. You know, it's, it's such a big metaphor for being queer, basically. Dance is the spirit of our nation. That's what the, uh, the older teacher, the one that looks like Yoda, that's what he said. <laughs> yeah. Dancing Yoda. Spirit is the dance. And so it's seen as like, it's seen as a great honour. So Merab is sort of like desperately trying to honor his country i guess but it's a country that would never accept him if he was living his authentic life no I mean, look at what happened to the guy who we hear about it off screen all happening off screen the yeah. guy that went off to be with someone got rejected by his family and then ended up working as a sex worker yeah zaza he's like this zaza, urban legend it's like an urban legend of what can happen to gay men and it's like you don't know if any of it is actually true well exactly but it's almost like it's this these stories that they tell each other that sort of propagates fear and and sort of um, makes it impossible to live in any other sort of an alternative inverted commas lifestyle because if you're a gay man you're going to end up like Zaza where you get screwed over by a priest and then end up selling your body for money. Yeah, and you know there's nothing wrong with with sex work. I've just um, completed a yeah. series on sex work. In fact, it'll be coming at the same time as these episodes it's called sex work if i could plug it it's yeah, on all the podcasts uh platforms and it was fascinating hearing about sex workers lives and some of them are completely empowered by the idea that you know they can put food on the table one mm. of them one of them described it as oh it's just a hookup i get paid for i'm gonna have a hookup anyway so yeah might as well get paid for it and didn't one of them say that there's nothing more feminist than using yeah that's camille yeah camille um in fact weirdly i've got the quote here open on my laptop um she says that she couldn't think of anything more feminist than capitalizing off the one thing that men demand want need and shame women for which is just sort of like hell yeah absolutely but it's interesting so so eye-opening that sex work is so often used as the absolute worst case scenario you know in in georgia as a strict christian country um to be not only gay but also a sex worker is viewed as the worst thing that could ever happen in your life yeah and you know just a sex worker is someone that does a job and gets paid it's no different to mirab working in that that cafe and he's the only one seemingly who is working David isn't working. His brother, <laughs> brother isn't working. Grand, mental grandmother 
You're mad. You're mad. Get away from me. You're mad. She's not working. The dad. I can't. I couldn't work it out. Is the dad working or is he just hanging around the market? He was eating. running the market stall, but oh, is he right? Cutting. But he's kind of like cubes. Yeah, exactly. It looked delicious, but I guess he wasn't sort of providing. Um, that like the American things, alimony, I guess, isn't it? Where they kind of provide family support. Yeah, he seemed. Well, he definitely seemed to have um, abandoned them, and it's because the mm. dancing didn't work out for him. So there's, so there's a, a um, an expectation, or rather pressure, on Mirab to give it up. Don't mm. go, don't go in the way that you feel is authentic, because it didn't work out for me. And yeah, there's just this weird sense of impending tragedy i suppose because merab is trying so so hard like you oh god the physicality of the dancing you fear for him every second you know it looks like he's going to snap a leg at any moment <laughs> yeah um it's so it's like really, it, it looks very physically punishing it, it, it's very yeah. it's very physical very sharp twisting motions and movements really heavy on the floor very aggressive yeah. And yeah, and so you're thinking, okay, you are going to, you're going to really hurt yourself or wear down your joints or, you know, really injure yourself at some point. And and for what, you know, you're doing it for this great honor, but the honor, it doesn't pay money. It doesn't put a roof over your head. It doesn't do anything other than give you some kind of status briefly, which as we see through his father is fleeting. Yeah. So it's, it's all just tied up in the metaphor of queer. Because he performed with... Mirab's mum at the Royal Abbot Hall in London, right? Yeah, exactly. Oh, God, his just friend like... was obsessed with London. I know. <laughs> Calm down, Bridget. <laughs> but she kind of had to have something annoying about her because if she was too perfect, then, I don't know, you might feel less sympathetic about Mirab being slightly sort of uh, uninterested in her, I guess, maybe, or sort of a bit mean to her sometimes. Well, she's the Charlie character, isn't she? She's charlie from a single yes. man she's the one that or the girl or maybe the girl from um love simon you know she's the one that wants simon but simon's never going to be with her because simon is a homosexual mirab <laughs> mirab is gay and it's never going to happen between her him and can't remember her name oh uh mary that relationship comes with a different kind of pressure because we're shown that Mary's father is incredibly wealthy and Merab's family are seemingly quite poor. You know, they he goes and buys a couple of potatoes for dinner and then he takes dinner home from the restaurant. Yeah. Which is seen as a sort, you know, a source of shame for his grandmother because she she worries what people will think about them. But oh, it's no, almost Mary's, like Mary's family had money, but they seem to be still uh, putting on the, the, the show that they have money. I think they don't have as much money as they used to. I think it was a case of like, they used to be wealthy. So everyone seems to be worried about what other people might think of them. But I don't think, if he does struggle, I don't think Mirab really struggles with it or is ashamed by it. Maybe he's just so accustomed to it. Yeah. But I don't see, I just don't see a struggle in Mirab until he starts obsessing about the bloke. And why he won't call and why he's gone away. Is he? But is he just going through the motions? Like he's figured out how to survive by doing this particular routine in life. You know, he gets yeah. up, he goes dancing, he goes to work, he gets a bit of food, he comes home, he eats food, he goes to bed. Repeat. You know, he's got he's got this 
this routine that he does and it's keeping him him and his family alive but yeah it doesn't mean he's happy and it's only when um Iracle turns up that he kind of you know he starts to smile you know that smile suddenly happens yeah. and it's so enchanting and i think the film captures beautifully like do you remember sort of when you would be like falling in love with somebody you know you might have just met them that night or recently and you don't want to go to sleep you know you're hanging out with them and you just can't bear to go to sleep and i think the film captures that with merab so perfectly where he's lying in bed with iraqli at this after this party yeah. he can't bear to go to sleep he just wants to be awake looking at him what is love what is love baby don't exactly. hurt me <laughs> no <laughs> do you think iraqli used his father's sickness as a way to go radio silent oh completely 100% he's scared and you would be you know you would be scared if you suddenly had these feelings that are seen as completely um unacceptable by everybody that you know so he you know there's there's two encounters just two physical encounters between Merab and Iraklian the yeah. first one is this sort of um raw encounter that is is sort of just like 100% passion and no tenderness yeah. and there's a, a deep sense of shame that you can see in in Iraqli afterwards well, he's in the taxi but then facing after... the other way isn't he yeah but, but Mirab looks really that... relaxed is that after that no because it's like it's think, two I nights in a row after that. Is it after I thought that? it was two nights in a row right because then they, maybe they I'm get thinking together of when again they were on they're on the way back from the wedding that's is that the one I'm thinking uh I think yeah so they have this kind of like animalistic yeah very brief animalistic thing that happens in the woods and then they meet there again in the woods where they have a much more tender sort of loving encounter yeah and direct directly after that is this um this moment of singing where everyone's listening to the guy singing and it's really sort of i mean i to me it felt funereal Hmm. and sort of like tragic this, yeah. this weight of tragedy over it all and it's after that that Arachli did starts to distance himself so he's terrified he goes running off in the opposite direction because he knows that society tells him he's not allowed to have this thing that he wants and when he comes back he says he's engaged yeah and clearly he's going to do it again yeah because he can't not he can't not yeah. do it again i mean it's similar to i mean well not not completely similar but there are connections and lines to be drawn between this and what happens to oliver after he leaves italy yes. in call me by your name and he phones elio um you know it doesn't it, it seems that and then we'll discuss it on the episode because we're going to cover it in this series and we've got some guests coming on but um guests. you know oliver is not ashamed he says i remember mm. i remember it all i remember everything but he is engaged to a female oh no and does doesn't something similar happen with broke back mountain maybe not quite the same but definitely a well they get married they have they? a they have a passionate encounter and then that's pretty much it they can't they can't have any kind of commitment or future no, but together. he can't quit him apparently do you think that love in this film is ever unconditional collaborate well it just seems to me that there's there's a strong sense of loving in the film people caring for mirab you know even strangers on the bus the woman 
reaches up and folds his collar down for him. Oh, it's yeah. like a, a sort of a, a really loving, very motherly, very maternal community. Um, but to me, it felt, it feels like that love is actually untrustworthy because it's always based on the condition that he conforms. Yeah. That, you know, if he doesn't conform to what they want him to be in society, that could vanish in an instant. Well, if he was to come out, do you think his grandmother and his mother would reject him? Or do you think there'd be, you know, they'd find a way to to accept it? Well, I don't know. I don't know enough about sort of Georgian society, but the film is basically telling us that he can't live in Georgia anymore. He has to no, leave. He has to leave. He um, has to find his own way. David says that. And David is like, symbolically, his brother David is clearly struggling with the expectations placed on him. He's doing everything that he thinks is right. He's acting like a boisterous, obnoxious man. He's got a girl pregnant, so now he has to marry her and he has to get a job. Um, he's mm. doing everything that seems to be right. He's, you know, he's 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 using violence to deal with honour. You know, he's, he's standing up for himself by beating people up and getting into fights. Um, but he seems to be failing because he's miserable and he can sense that Mirab needs to get out, needs to leave Georgia. So even he feels trapped and he's doing everything right. Yeah. So it's not necessarily about being queer. It's about being a modern person within a very traditional society, maybe. Yeah, he's doing he's doing all the things that Merab would be expected to do as well at some point. But and as far as we know, David, his brother, isn't gay, but even he is struggling. So it's not about being gay it's about being stuck in a restrictive role that you've been told you have to perform and you know that is summed up in the um the finale when mirab starts dancing in his own way his own version of georgian dance and yoda man walks out but weirdly the bullying teacher the younger teacher who's probably middle-aged doesn't leave so is the is he the you know the um what's his name? It's like Yellick or something. He's the coach, isn't he? Yeah, the coach. Does he see something in Mirab that he finds quite attractive? Not in a in a physical sense, but in Mirab's um anti establishment attitude. Yeah, possibly. I mean he could probably appreciate it purely on the skill of of Mirab's dancing. So even with a bandage on his ankle. Even with that bloody bandage, God, I was wincing every time he put that foot on the ground. I was like, don't do it. <laughs> yeah. I did love that line when um, when the older guy explained what was going on, when he was like, he's mocking the Georgian tradition. It's like, his okay, hands. <laughs> yeah, look at his hands. He's mocking with his hands. Yeah, yeah here's another hand gesture for you. Yoda. It's such a great ending they just leave it all on the dance floor you know it's brilliant you know exactly oh, what's going to happen next i love that yeah. dance floor literally the broken floor it looks like the oh. um looks like the stage of brixton academy all broken and like the wood is chipped yeah. and curled up i love floors like that if i ever if i ever owned a place with a floor like that i'd leave it because it looks great in <laughs> when you light it from the side 
you get like mini oh. shadows. It's awesome. What is symbolic about Mirab giving Irakli back his earring? Doesn't he say, I don't need it anymore? Yeah. So he he's recognised that it could never work with Irakli, but that doesn't mean it couldn't work. It couldn't not work with somebody else. <laughs> you know, he's Irakli has almost like served his purpose. He's woken up Mirab and he's shown him what he wants in life, especially on like an emotional relationship level. Um, so surely he's, it's almost like giving back a ring. It's like giving back an engagement ring. Yeah. And we don't, I love the fact that we don't know if Mirab stole the earring. He says he found it. Oh, he clearly did. Who finds an earring? Have you ever found an earring? Uh, sometimes. <laughs> I think actually quite recently I did find an earring. Did you give um, it back and say, I don't need this anymore? It was in the street. Oh, disgusting. Yeah. So is this a love story or is it just a lust story? Can it not be both? I think you can be in love in a night. No, I don't think you can. Mm. I think if it's allowed to grow, it can grow into what you then recognise as love. But initially it's infatuation because, you know, they don't have that many... They hadn't known each other that long. It was almost like they they got to a point where there's a fork in the road one wants to go one way one wants to go the other and when Miram mm. realized that he wasn't going to go his way gave him the the earring back yeah like who sensed who first who sensed who first yeah a bit like carol and therese in carol mm. who sensed who first Mirab or i forget his name oh Irakli. i think Irakli saw saw Merab first. I think that Merab was so embedded in this um, version of his life that when Irakli comes in, I think... I, can't, I, I don't know. I, I don't know. I got the sense that Irakli was sort of like experienced, like he'd done this yeah. before, whereas Merab hadn't. So, Mir- so Irakli knew the look, even if Merab didn't know he was giving it. Yeah, and Irakli is the one who touches Merab's knee in that exactly. way the he touchy touchy yeah and it's really a shit him to do that it, it almost feels a little bit like um nicholas in heartbeats the xavier dolan film he knows what he's mm. doing and he knows it's not going to go anywhere so why play with fire because he can't resist it can he he can't resist it it's exciting it doesn't help, you know it doesn't help living in an, an, an oppressive situation Mm. where does this fit in in the annals of 21st century queer cinema i think that by virtue of being about georgia like that was the thing that really struck me the first time i watched it and that was the reason i fell in love with it is because it sort of felt like a bracing education (laughs) in a lot of ways you know it showed me a world that i'd never seen before and um the director levan aiken he's he grew up in Sweden, but his parents are Georgian immigrants. Mm. And um, Aiken has been to Georgia every summer on holiday for his whole life, I think. So he knows Georgia. And I I trust that his portrayal of it is authentic. Obviously, with, you know, the, the clear agenda of trying to further LGBT rights in Georgia. Um, so I think that's the thing that really makes it stand out. And there are other films that do that do, you know, European films that show different 
European gay communities. But this one in particular, there's just something about it that feels so urgent. And I think that's clear from the fact that when the film was released in Georgia, it sparked protests yeah. where they had to have police outside the cinema mm. to pr- to stop the anti-home- anti-homophobic, hang on, to stop the homophobic <laughs> protesters from attacking people trying to go to watch the film. Yeah. Um, but that kind of makes me think like that, that makes me think of another question, which is who is this film actually for? Because is it for Georgians or is it for us, you know, outside of Georgia? The fact that it's in the Georgian language, for me, thinks pri- primary it's for Georgians to watch and go, look, the the traditions and the culture, there's obviously something's got to give because there there's friction you know, you can be a Georgian dancer and move away from tradition ever so slightly, but to the point where you're just developing. Societies mm. have to move on. We can't yeah. be all living in the 1920s. You know, things have to move on, but it doesn't erase who you are. You know, it doesn't... Same-sex marriage doesn't erase your opposite-sex marriage. Mm. Historically, that's been proven over and over right so i think primarily it's for georgians but it's always good to watch films from different cultures because you get to see like you said there's an educational element but also you just get to see how different cultures make films it can't yeah. all be you know it can't all be the the marvel type of filmmaking or the michael bay type of filmmaking you know outside of hollywood there is a whole world of different styles. You know, I mm. love looking through Mubi and going, ah, maybe I'll try something Italian. Yeah. It's like a world buffet. <laughs> and all I want to do is get fat. <laughs> like an egg. Like, she a, said like a dumpy episode. egg. I am, I am the dumpy egg of queer cinema. <laughs> <laughs> That was And Then We Dance, directed by Levin Aiken. Joshua, give us a clue as to what is coming up on the next episode. We are getting handy. (laughs) (laughs) That's ridiculous. That makes no sense, but we'll go with that. We are getting (laughs) madey. Be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your pods from so you don't miss that episode. And we're on Twitter at TornStubsPod. Come let us know what you thought of And Then We Danced. We are off to do a little jig. Until next time, I remain Robert Gershenson. I'm Josh Winning. Cut. Cut. <laughs>